Amen. Let's have a seat. Well, good morning, Doxa. Uh, if you guys don't know me, my name is David Livingston. I'm one of the guys on staff. And we're in this kind of last sermon in this series we're doing called Essentials, okay? And you can see it up here. Bible family movement. And by the way, if you're looking at this and you're like, ah, oh, this is kind of plain Jane for a doxa graphic. This is like Sam did this. It's like Pantone colors. It's basically his, it, it, it's ironic. It's, it's funny. If you know design, it's funny. Anyway, here's where we're going. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 17 to 21. Okay. We're talking about movement and we've basically been saying, man, these are some things that are essentials, not just about doxa church, but they really are essentials of the Christian faith, right? We're talking about the Bible. And we're saying, man, like we want to be people who we don't just like kind of use this Bible in different ways we see fit. We don't want to kind of even stand in judgment over the Bible. We really want this to be like the judge of us. We want this to like teach us truth, right? Help us find what way is north. We also want to be people who are marked by community and not just the way the rest of the world builds community, but in the way the Bible defines it. A family that's based not on things about us, but things about Jesus whose blood flows in our veins. But this last part is movement. And it's this invitation that the Bible has for everybody to come as they are, right? And this is what we've been reading the last couple of weeks, right? It's like, when you look at the Bible, and it's like, man, it's an invitation for anyone to come to Jesus Christ, be joined into his family. But it's not an invitation to stay as you are. It's an invitation to actually change, to be changed in a really specific kind of way. And so I want you to read with me. 2 Corinthians 5 talks about this. Starting in verse 17, this is what it says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ." God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Right? It's just this invitation to come as you are, but it, it's an invitation to not stay as you are. And so what we're saying is we're saying, man, this idea of movement is like we do not want to be people who are following Jesus who do that in a static way. Right, because even that invitation, right, it's like when, you know, the disciples are in the boat, they're with their nets, hanging out, you know, they're catching fish. You just like, follow me, right? It's like there was movement necessary for them to kind of perform that, right? There was some obedience required. It was like, do we stay here or do we actually go with you? Because Jesus is like, he's walking away, right? We have to make a decision here. Movement. We want our lives to be moving in a direction. We want our lives to have trajectory to them. And this text has kind of two trajectories. Maybe you saw them. It's movement towards God and towards people. And so I want to start with just this idea of moving towards God because a, a lot of people, when they come into church, there's some expectation of saying, man, that's why I'm here. Like, I want to move closer to God. I want to know God. I want to, I want to be more like him, be more accepted by him. I, I want to move towards God. But the Bible gives us a very specific picture of what it means to move towards God. And this is, this is how it starts. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now, all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So 
when we're asking like a very basic beginning question and we're saying, man, what does it mean to be a Christian? One of the ways you could answer this, and, and maybe the simplest way, is just someone that God has reconciled to himself. Right? And so reconciliation is this idea of, of movement. Right? It's this idea that man, to be reconciled means you actually had to be far off, but you were actually brought near. Or, or the, some other ideas in the Bible are you, you were someone that was an orphan spiritually. You didn't have God as your father, but now you do have God as your father. Or you were spiritually homeless. Now you've been brought home with Jesus, part of God's family. And so he's saying through Christ, God reconciled us to himself. And he wants to be clear how this works. Right? He says, now all of this is from God. Meaning this is something he does. He performs this in us. But the question is what happened in us that allowed this reconciliation to happen, right? Because people who are far off to be, to be now brought near, how does this happen? And he says, well, it's through this act of new creation. He says the, whole, the old has passed away. And he says even behold, like, hey, pay attention. The old is gone. The new has come. Now there's this moment in John 3 where, where Jesus is a meeting with a, a Pharisee, and he's kind of explaining this reality. And there's this guy whose name is Nicodemus, and in the Bible, he's, he's a Pharisee, which means like he's spent his whole life, really from the age of like very, very young, he's just learning to talk, how to read the, the Torah, to he's an old man at this point. Like he's now a religious leader in the church. He's been doing this for a long time. His whole life has been one where he's saying, man, I'm going to try to polish up my life. I'm going to try to fix this thing up. I'm going to try to get this thing to look more in line with God, more in line with his ways. I'm going to try to live this moral life where I'm pursuing not just abstract goodness, but like specific goodness as defined by God. And there's this moment where Nicodemus comes to Jesus. And the reason he comes to Jesus is because no matter how put together your life is, you know there's like, I know there's a little more I could be doing, right? Like no one in here is like, no, I'm actually perfect, right? We're all like, no, we're humans. We know we have some room to grow. And even Nicodemus is like that, right? And so he's like, hey, I know I worked really hard and I've followed the law, but I'm sure there's things I could still learn and grow. And so I'm going to come for this kind of last 5% thing. When he meets Jesus, Jesus just like doesn't even let him ask the question. He just interrupts him and says, here, I know why you're here. Here's what you have to know. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It's a pretty amazing thing to hear Jesus say if you're Nicodemus or for us to kind of look into this story and be like, oh, that's what this guy gets? This guy who spent his whole life trying to fix up his life? That's what he gets is, that's tough, right? And so what it means is that when God looks at humanity, even someone who has worked very hard to make themselves pure and moral and good, it means that his solution is not to give them kind of the last 5% that they need, kind of pat him on the back and send him out to continue his spiritual journey. He actually says something that's pretty crushing. He says, I, I know you spent your whole life doing this. I know you've worked really hard. But you actually have to start over. Like completely. And not just start over, but actually you are so far from the kingdom of God that you actually have to be reborn. Like you need to be remade completely. And see what Jesus is saying in this, this story, and he's also talking about in Second Corinthians, he's saying, man, with, without me and without Christ, the Bible says that you can't grow towards God at all. Like, like at all. And like this idea of movement we're talking about, right? This is, we're saying that this is something that you can't actually perform at all 
without Christ. And you might be in the room and you might say, well, that's, that's ridiculous. Like, maybe we might not be able to get the whole way there. Like, we, certainly we can't be totally made perfect, but surely we can take some steps towards God. Surely this is within us. But the Bible says you can't. You can't even take one step towards God. Now, the Bible would say you can grow as a person and you can actually even try to fix up your life, right? You can stop smoking. You can stop watching The Bachelor, right? Like, you can go to church. You can do all these things to, like, try to make your life better. But no matter who you are and what you're like, your story, no matter how much work you put in, without Jesus Christ, even the purest religious devotion is merely a self-building project, right? We're working on ourselves, we're building ourselves, but it remains a self that is cut off from God. And so Jesus is looking at this guy who spent his whole life building up this himself, and he says, man, all that you've done is impressive, and I, honestly, I know it was really, really hard. But the problem is you did it all to yourself. And Nicodemus, you are spiritually dead. And if we're sitting in this room and we're looking at our lives and we're saying, man, like, I'm, I'm trying to be a good person. I'm trying to, trying to fix this thing up. Like, I know I got some problems. I got some addictions. I got some, pro like, I got some messed up stuff. And man, I'm here at church because I want to change. I want to be a different person. I want to work on myself a little bit. What Jesus would say is he'd say, man, you can do that. And you can, honestly, you can kill it. Like, you can read a ton of self-help books. You can come here. You can turn that life around, and you can actually change in a very significant way. But the problem at the end of that is that you will still be spiritually dead. But when we meet Jesus, he invites people like us who are spiritually dead to do something really interesting. He invites us actually to bury our old lives with him. He invites us to die with him so that we can live. And, and I don't know if you've noticed this, but like baptism's a weird thing, right? Like when you come in, I mean, so you might have this question coming in and you're like, it's weird. Why do they have to like put people totally under the water? Like why can't they just kind of, you know, why do, why do they do this whole thing? And you might come to this conclusion, oh, it's because this symbol's meant to symbolize, man, we want to be totally clean of our sin, right? Jesus cleans us entirely. So our whole kind of selves go under the water, but it's actually a way deeper image than that. It's actually this image of our old life being like buried into the grave with Jesus Christ, into that tomb, so that we can actually resurrect to a totally new kind of life. It's actually a symbol saying like that we really become new creations in Christ. This was the, the text that Jesse read before that song, right? This is Galatians. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. Like that's me, like the me, the Paul, like the, the me before me and Jesus. I have been crucified with Christ. It is now no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Or the way he says it in 2 Corinthians, he just says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the old has passed away, the new has come. And so I want us to just think about what all this means. Like, really think about it, because what this means is that without Christ, like, at our best, we can be, like, really, really good morticians, right? And if you've ever, like, been to a funeral, like, some of these, some of these dudes are amazing. Like, the things that happen to people and then the way they look in the casket. And you're like, I have no idea how you did that. But this is like genuinely impressive. Like they do incredible things. They do things with makeup. Like they do things with suits. Like they tailor suits to put on the people in the casket. But the reality is it doesn't matter how much work you put into yourself if the thing you're working with is dead. And Jesus says, this is what 
all religious pursuits are like. This is what all moralism's like. This is what every kind of attempt to build up yourself is ultimately like. It's like you're working really, really hard on something that if you're going to be saved, needs to be replaced completely anyways. And some of you in the room, you're in this really interesting situation with Jesus because you've been maybe coming to church for a while. Maybe you're just, you've been reading your Bible a little bit, hanging out with Christians, and you really do feel something in you that's being drawn towards Jesus. Like there's something about him that's compelling to you. And you're like, man, I don't know what this is, but like I think I might want to follow Jesus someday. But you think there's this threshold that you kind of have to cross in your life before you'd really be able to like plant the flag in the ground and say, I'm going to choose to follow Jesus. So you might think like, well, man, I really need to get a few more things figured out in my life. I, I, there's a couple of things that are still really messed up and I need to figure out how to deal with these things before I'd be able to call myself a Christian. And I don't, listen, I don't know any other way to tell you this, but regardless of how much work you do to yourself before you come to Jesus, he will still have to start over with you completely. Like, none of that is going to matter. It, it really will be a waste of your time to try to work on yourself in that way because the thing you're working on is you. And Jesus doesn't intend to finish this project that you started. He actually intends to bury you in the ground with himself so that he can raise to life inside of you his life instead of yours. And his intention is that that new life would not just be something that exists side by side with who you are, but his intention is actually this new life from the Spirit of God that he puts inside of you would actually totally consume every part of you. So that at the end of your life, everything would be replaced. Everything would be remade. This new life inside of you, the reason it has to take over everything is because even the parts of us that we are the most proud of, even the parts of us that we're like, well, surely this part of me, like, I know I've got some other stuff, but this part of me, surely this can coexist with this new life in Christ. And Jesus would say, no. There is not a single corner of your life, a corner of your soul. There is not a single part of you that can actually coexist with this new life I'm creating in you. Everything about your old self has to die. Everything. You actually have to be born again. And so the right response to Jesus is never actually to walk away and try to clean ourselves up a little bit and then come back to him. The right response to Jesus, not just when you first come to Jesus, but every day you wake up with Jesus, is actually to come to him exactly as you are, flaws and failures and all. And his promise is that if we do this, if we give him our lives and let him bury that in the ground, he will give us his life. And so it says, because you are in Christ Jesus now, like when that happens and you put your faith in Jesus and you say, take my life, whatever you want to do with it. He's like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to kill it. I'm going to bury it. And I'm going to give you a new life. He says, when you do this, you are now in Christ, and now you are a new creation. And there's this really crazy thing that happens. We're talking about movement. And 
We're talking about a specific thing. We're not just talking about kind of change and transformation. We're talking about a kind of movement towards God that without Christ is impossible. Meaning like you can't take the very first step towards God in this movement we're talking about without Christ. But with Christ, this movement towards God is unstoppable. Meaning like it can't happen without him and it can't not happen with him. And so if you are a Christian, this new life is inside of you. You can be stubborn and you can kind of put your hand up and say, I don't want to change in this way. But ultimately you are only going to slow down a process that will happen in your life if Jesus Christ is in you. Because this new life that Jesus puts in you, it really is a new life. It's his life. And it has a new trajectory to it as a final end that it is moving forward continually towards. And we actually need to know what that end is if we're going to know how to grow towards it. And he says that end is this idea of reconciliation. And when we think about reconciliation, right, oftentimes what we think of is forgiveness, which is a huge part of the gospel, right? Like we know that we come in and we're like, Jesus saves sinners, he forgives us for our sins. And that's true. But this idea of reconciliation is actually way more than just two people who are far off, kind of like agreeing to disagree and live in the same space together. No, this idea of reconciliation is him saying, no, listen, I'm going to forgive you of your sins. I'm going to wash you clean through my sacrifice on the cross. But the reason I'm doing that is so that I can actually begin this process where I put my new life in you and that life so consumes the old you that at the end of your story, there is no more old dead you left and there is only the life of Jesus Christ left. And so in that, when that happens in eternity, you will actually be so conformed to the image of Christ that it will actually be hard to distinguish you outside of one of you being creator and one of you is his creation. The Bible says crazy things. Like it says that actually we are going to become partakers of the divine nature. And this isn't talking about us becoming God. It's just saying like we are going to be so conformed, so joined together with God that when people look at us or other people look at us, they'll be like, it seems like this is Jesus. And he says that's actually the end goal. Reconciliation. Not just Jesus bringing sinful people to be part of his new world, but actually so changing them that they actually fit into it. Not just having sinful people in relationship with him, but actually so changing them that he can actually exist in relationship with them and see every single corner of their life and their soul and say, I actually see everything about you and I haven't just forgiven you for who you are, I actually am well pleased in who you are because you've actually been made like my son Jesus. Not in part, in full. C.S. Lewis, he explains it like this. And this is, this is a helpful quote for me. I've actually read it before at Doxa, but it's helpful for me because it's like, this helps me know like, what is the mo- what am I growing towards, right? Because if we know what we're growing towards, at least we can not keep ourselves from it. And this is what he says. You must realize from the outset, meaning from the very first step of this Christian life with Jesus, the one thing you got to know is this. The goal towards which he is beginning to guide you is absolute perfection. That's the goal of the Christian life. Not that you would be cleaned up a little bit. Not that you would be just fixed enough to not go to hell. But the goal of the Christian life is that you would be made absolutely perfect. He says, and there is no power in the whole universe except maybe yourself, 
that can prevent you from reaching this goal. This is what you are in for. And it's very important that you realize that because if you do not, then you are very likely to start pulling back and resisting him after a certain point. He says, I think that many of us, when, when Christ has enabled us to overcome like some one or two sins that were like an obvious nuisance, right? Like these big things, we come into church and we're like, man, I got to figure this out. This addiction is ruining my life. You can just change this thing in me. Help me. After this happens, we think he has done all we wanted him to do. But he says, this is the fatal mistake. Of course, we never wanted and never even asked to be made into the sort of creatures he intends to make us into. But the question is not what we ourselves intended to be. The question is what he intended us to be when he created us. Now, we may be content to remain what we call ordinary people. Or we may be content to be just good enough, but he is determined to carry out a quite different plan. And to shrink back from that plan is not humility. It's actually laziness and cowardice. And to submit to it is not conceit or kind of self-pride, but it's obedience. How does this happen? Like, how do people as broken and flawed as we are actually become perfect? Not mostly, but completely. Well, you see, in every other religion, it's, it's imitation, right? This is how we become the kind of people we're supposed to be. We imitate the spiritual greats. We take on their way of transcendent life. We take on their habits. And these kind of habits of these spiritual leaders, they are the things that transform us. But in Christianity, we're told that we're not in need of spiritual correction. We're in need of recreation. And so God's goal for us isn't that we'd be slightly better than we are today, but actually to be so renewed, so transformed, so recreated that we could actually stand in the presence of God who sees all and knows all and is perfectly holy. To stand in that God's presence, right, who has created angels who like from the moment they popped into creation, they saw him with their eyes and they were like, I am going to sing about your glory for the entire rest of forever. That God that you'd be able to stand in his presence without any spot or blemish. And that means that we can't imitate that. <laughs> like we can't become like that. And so this text says that what God does is he imitates us instead. He identifies with us. He becomes like us. It actually just says that he became sin for us. And what Jesus was doing on the cross was he was actually trying to trade places with us in the story. Right? Our life for his his life for ours. Because Jesus is saying, I will go to the cross in your place. And the reason I have to do this is because it's only if I take your life on my shoulders that I can actually take my life and put it on yours. And listen, this is exactly what Jesus intends to do. This is exactly what Jesus intends to do. Not just abstractly and theologically, so that God would say, you are declared righteous. He intends to do it practically and in reality. He intends to replace our lives with his, and not to erase us, but to recreate us into the image of his son in full. And so this means that the movement of the Christian life is not behavior modification. It's not outward kind of behavior transformation. It's not even just imitation. It is recreation. And the reason it's really important we understand that 
is because that means that to grow towards God means that something in us has to die. He says the old has passed away. <laughs> He's like, we're, we're here at a funeral. <laughs> There's this certificate and it's, it's your death, right? And he's like, this is what it means to follow Jesus. He's like, I will write this certificate and I will pass it across. We can both sign these papers and what's going to happen is your old life is no longer actually going to be you. Right? This is Galatians. Like, you've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer you who live, but it's actually I who live through you. This is what Jesus is saying. And what's true about Christianity is that's not just how you get saved, but that's how you grow as a Christian. Is that process, the very first time you meet Jesus, you look at your life and you're like, man, I don't know if you can do anything with this. He's like, I can. And you're like, what? He's like, I can kill it. I can end it. I can have that not, I can have that like put into the ground with me and I can actually give you my life. And you're like, could you just polish it up a little bit or something? Like, I mean, I kind of like it. It's me. Like, this is me. I really don't want to bury this in the ground. Like, surely there's something we can do to fix this up so that I can still have all these dreams and ambitions and, and still kind of continue on the path of life I was on? And he says, no. No, we can't do that. Because you don't have a spiritual pulse. You're spiritually dead. But what I can do is I can bury that part of you in the ground. I can bury the old you with me and I can give you my life. And when we choose to follow Jesus, that's what we're saying yes to. Saying yes to denying ourselves, our dreams, our ambitions, our wants, our desires, our comforts, all those kinds of things that define our old self. And we're just giving that to Jesus and saying, man, if you would take this, do whatever you want with it, and give me your life that will start to change me, I want to do that. But that's also how you live every morning as a Christian too. You wake up and you say, Jesus, I have this old self that had like this muscle memory from my past life that has all these desires and idols and passions and, and I don't know what to do with all these things. And he's like, here's what I can do. We can kill it together. We can bury that together. And it's going to hurt. I mean, it's really going to hurt. But we can do it. At every single step of your life with God, growth comes to us through the death of some of this part of the old you. Because every single step of our lives towards Christ, every growth in us is actually a replacement of the old us with the new life that Christ is forming in us. And it isn't a change, right? Like, I, we need to be really clear about this. It isn't that we change. We don't change. What Christians do is we die. We die with Jesus. We can't change. There's no, you can't, you can put makeup on this, but you can't raise it to life. But you can bury it in the ground and you can live this new life that Jesus gives you. And so movement towards God, it isn't transformation, it's recreation. And some small bit of us actually has to die every single time we want to move towards God to be replaced with the life of Jesus Christ that he's trying to form us in it. Now, the reason I'm trying to spend so much time explaining this, okay, and I feel like I'm like beating the drum, I'm like, you're like, I get it, okay, okay, I get it. The reason I'm trying to spend so much time on this and even explain the theology behind this is because almost every Christian that I have ever met, every single Christian I've ever met, including myself, their struggle with God almost always isn't 
their inability to live like Jesus, their struggle with God is almost always their inability to die with Jesus. They think their problem is like, just can't figure out how to live like Jesus, but their problem is actually they refuse to die like Jesus. And so most of our struggle with God is that we're actually trying to preserve the very thing he's promised to bury. The very thing he was like, I'll kill this. And we're like, please do. And then he's like, all right, let's do it. And we're like, please don't. (laughs) That's our struggle with God. We're trying to preserve the very thing that Jesus is trying to bury in the ground. Because our old self, it has dreams, it has desires, it has passions, it has wants, it has plans. I mean, it has a calendar, it has a five-year plan. It's got all those things. Listen, Jesus is trying to bury all of those things because they are part of your old life. And he's trying to put that in the ground because he's come to make you new. Not in part. Totally. And if we don't understand that, that Jesus intends to remake us and recreate every part of us, then we will actually live our lives with him at war with him. Because we're always going to be fighting him on this stuff. Right? I mean, so often, I don't know if you feel this, but with my life with Jesus, I, f- I feel like this happens all the time. So, like, Jesus gives me some step of obedience. He's like, hey, I want you to go do this thing. And you're like, but I, I can't do that thing because I, there's this other thing it will cost me. And he's like, right. The, that's the point. The whole reason I'm asking you to do that is because I want this thing in you to die. And the only way it'll die is if you do this thing I told you to do. And I'm like, yeah, but I can't do that because I need to save this. And he's like, right. But if you save that, you won't be saved. <laughs> like, this is salvation. Those who will save their lives will lose it. Those who lose their lives for my sake will find it. It's like Jesus is saying, hey, I'm, I'm trying to save you, dude. Like, you're saved. You, I'm in you. Like, follow me. Come this way. And I'm like, but I need to bring my old self with me me. And he's like, no, no, no. You can't. And I just want to say, this is really, really hard. Like, it's brutally hard. And some of you, honestly, that one of the biggest fights of your life is that it's, it's so painful to you to think of some of these parts of you dying that it's actually been the thing that's kept you from growing in Christ at all. You actually have this like super stagnant life with the Lord and you're like, I don't get the Bible. I don't really know how to pray. I don't really share my faith. I'm not really growing as a Christian. I'm coming to church. I'm part of the Christian community, but like I have just been on this kind of plateau for a really long time with the Lord. I'm not growing and I can't figure out why. And I would say it's probably because there are things in you that Jesus is trying to kill and you are trying to protect those things. And if you want to grow towards God, you actually have to grow away from yourself. And that's hard. Because death is painful. But the beginning of this passage is saying that those things that cause you pain, that is like muscle memory from your past life, but it's not the real you anymore. Like, you feel that, right? And it's like someone who, like, loses an arm and still feels like it's there, right? Like, they have, like, that thing with their 
I don't even know. I'm not a doctor. There's some doctors in here, but like, you know, it's like they had, like, I still feel pain in their arm and their arm's not there anymore. Like, that's what it's like. It's like, yeah, the old you really wants those things, but it's not really you anymore. And when we're talking about movement with God, we're not just talking about movement towards the Bible or movement towards knowledge of God, or we're not even really talking about following laws. What we're talking about is we are saying movement away from us, who we used to be, towards not a new style of life, but towards Jesus, away from us into relationship with Christ, where he says, follow me, and we're standing in the boat like his disciples, and we're like, but this is my whole life. And he's like, yeah, follow me. And so we move away from who we are, who we used to be, and we move towards Jesus. And some of the times, we don't know exactly where he's going to lead us. Not specifically, anyway. We know where the story ends, but we don't know what route it's going to take. But this is the way we move towards God. And what's really interesting is that as we first start to do this, from the very first moment where we say, okay, Jesus, no to this life, no to me, yes to you. As soon as we move towards God, what we figure out is in that exact moment, he says, awesome. Now, here is this new name, and here's this new purpose and role in the world. Look what he says in verse 18. It's really amazing. He says, all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. So far away, brought near, reconciled us to himself. And then in the same breath, he says, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And he explains it. He says, that is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. This is movement towards people. One of the first things we see about this new creation life is he's saying, man, is along with being called to move towards God as a result of having been reconciled, we're now called to move towards people as a result of being given a ministry. And so you need to hear that. If you're in the room today and you're like, I, I'm a Christian, Jesus has given you a ministry, and he calls it the ministry of reconciliation. And not just you've been given a ministry, but he says we've been entrusted, which is what you do with something valuable. We've been entrusted with the message of reconciliation, which is the message of Jesus Christ, the gospel that people who are broken and sinful can actually have their life buried with Jesus and be raised to life, right? It's that, that anyone can come to the table of King Jesus. These things, we've been trusted with that message of reconciliation, and then he says this in verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. That's who you are. Right, because one of the things we need to know is we need to know that the old us is dying, but then the question is, okay, so who's the new us? And he goes, he, well, here's what it is. Someone who's been reconciled to God and then has been sent out into the world on his behalf as his ambassador with a ministry and a message of reconciliation. And this is the, this is the message. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's the ministry. That's the message. It's to look at people who are far away like we once were and to tell them, come with us. Like, you can get in on this. I, the, I, the only thing I had to offer was something that needed to be put in the ground. I had nothing to give. Like, all I have is the life of Christ in me, and you can have that too. Be reconciled to God. We implore you. And it says that this ministry, these ambassadors he's created us to be, he says it's God making his appeal through us. Think about that phrase. God. God. 
the Holy One, the one who has no beginning and no end. The one that sinful people, they come into his place and he's like, I need to get you out of the Garden of Eden because my holiness will consume you. So you got to go. That holy God making his appeal to the world through us. I don't know what kind of identity or value or glory you're searching after in this world, but I can tell you it pales in comparison to that. Do you understand what, what Jesus is saying? This is how much God has chosen to identify with you. He's actually chosen to make you his representative on earth. That's crazy. And we would look at that and we'd be like, Jesus, why the heck would you do that, right? It's like, I want people to meet Jesus, not me. I'm nothing like Jesus. Why would you make me your ambassador? I know almost nothing about you. I like come to church. I don't understand half the stuff in this Bible. I can't like present you to people. Like, why would you make me this person? Why would you give me this title? It's because he is trying to bestow on you a glory you don't deserve. And he's trying to give you a purpose and a dignity that should define everything about your life, not just a corner of it. What's interesting is it doesn't say that you can be this. It doesn't say that you could be this. It says that if you are in Christ, you are this. This is who you are, whether you're living like it or not. You may be doing something else, you may be actually giving your time and your energy and your focus. You may actually be pursuing something else in your life. But if you are in Christ, this is your actual calling and role in the world. To be someone who's been reconciled to God, who then goes out to other people who haven't been reconciled with the ministry of reconciliation, the message of reconciliation, pleading with them to be reconciled to God. And so this means that your life is sending a message to the world about your king, right? Because if you're an ambassador, you don't have a choice. You, you are telling the world what your king's like because you're the ambassador. Your life does tell the world what this king is like because you're the ambassador. What is your life saying your king is like? And I think, that, I think the reason that Jesus is so serious about recreating all of us is actually because of this. It's because of the glory he's bestowed on us. You see, if Jesus just intended to save us from hell, you know, may, I don't know, maybe he could have just cleaned up, cleaned us up most of the way. Or like we did, made us just good enough. Or, or, or maybe if he intended us to just live at like the fringes of his kingdom, like, hey, you can't be like at my table, but like, hey, you can live over here, like kind of across the tracks, and it's not that bad, but it's not that good, and you can kind of live over here. And maybe if that was his plan for us, he could just change some of us. Maybe he wouldn't read to recreate all of us, but Jesus' invitation to those who follow him, the only invitation he gives is an invitation to everyone, and it's exactly the same, and it is an invitation to be in his inner circle. No distance. His inner circle to be so united to him, so relationally close to him, that you would actually be able to represent him wherever you go. And so Jesus 
when he's talking about movement, he is telling you, he's pleading with you to give up your life. Stop trying to fix it. Stop trying to polish it up. Stop trying to make it good enough. It's not. But the thing he's trying to give you is his life in full. And he's saying, if you will do that, then I will make you exactly as I am. If you will join me in this, then here's what I will do. I will patiently and endlessly recreate every single corner of your life and your soul so that your Father in heaven, not just theologically, but actually can look into every single part of you and be well pleased with you. I'm actually going to so conform you to my image that you will actually be my ambassadors wherever you go because it will no longer be you who live, but it will actually be I who live through you. I don't think there is anything more glorious or incredible to live for than that. And I think that if you're a human being, uh, you're moving towards something, right? Even if, even if you're, like, you're like, I watch, I don't know, man, I watch a lot of Netflix. It's like, yeah, but you binge multiple shows, right? <laughs> like you're adding, them, you're adding them to your list, right? Like we're growing towards something always. We are not actually static people. We're always moving. The question is, what are we moving towards? What are we trying to build? And what Jesus Christ is inviting you into is he is saying, here's, here's the movement I want you to have. I want you to move towards me like as fast as you can. And you're probably here and you're like, man, I've been trying to do that for so long. I don't know how. Like my life's so messed up. And I'd say, perfect. Those are exactly the kind of people that can move towards God. Because they're the only kind of people who really look at their life and go, I actually think this might be worthless and unfixable. And it's as soon as you get to that place and you go, Jesus, would you just do something? That's exactly when he goes, yeah, I can. I can give you my life instead of yours. And that is when movement happens. But listen, the context that Jesus has given you to grow in Christ, like this whole like dying to self, living to Christ, this, this process of movement that Jesus has given us, the context he gives us to work that out is ministry. It is really hard to grow, to grow in Christ if, if you are not an ambassador for him. It's really hard to die to yourself and live to righteousness if all of the commands about taking his message into the world and sharing the gospel with your neighbors and being moving towards people, it's really hard to move towards God if you refuse to move towards people. These are two things that coexist at the exact same time. You can't move towards people in the way that Jesus wants you to if you're not moving towards God, but if you're not moving towards these people, it's really hard to actually grow and deny yourself because those, so often the things he's calling you to do and moving towards people are the very things that are gonna cost you something. And the thing that's gonna cost you are exactly the things that Jesus is trying to kill in you because they're the things that aren't him. But the things that are him are eternal. And so I wanna invite you with me to move towards God, to move towards people. But not in your own effort, not in your, words, your own steam. What I want to invite you to do with me is to look at your life and maybe for the first time or maybe for the thousandth time, look at your life and just say, Jesus, I would like you to help me become less like me and more like you. I would like you to kill more of the old me. 
I would like you to make me more humble, less proud. I would like you to help me further push this old me into the grave so I can more fully live as you're calling me to live as you. That's the movement we're talking about. And if you put your yes on the table with that, Jesus will do it. He'll do it. Let's pray. Jesus, I'm so thankful for texts like this because, God, I, I just feel like at every point in my life, I, I feel like my, my relationship with you is, is so often uh, self-preservation of my old self. And I feel like you come to me in these things and you're like, man, you really, that's not who you are. You're a new creation and this is what your new creation's like. You've been reconciled to me. I am your father. You are my son and I'm actually sending you out into the world to be an ambassador for me and this is who you are. Take this ministry. Go, run. I'm entrusting you with this message. Go into the world. But Jesus, that movement towards you, it means movement away from us. And Jesus, we need you to help us because our old lives, they cling so closely and our old loves and our old dreams, our old ambitions, they do not want to die. But Jesus, we cannot stay who we are. We have to become like you. And so Jesus, would you help us release our grip on the things that are keeping us from you? And God, maybe there's some people in this room that have never actually taken that very first step with you. I've just said, okay, Jesus, take my life and give me yours. Jesus, I pray that you would help us move away from ourselves so that we can move towards you.